I think it means this. And we do that a lot of times. I think it means. And I think it means is okay. We all have personal opinions. But personal opinions are usually wrong when it comes to Scripture. That's the, that's the thing. Is that, you, you know, when God begins to deal with your heart, He will take His Scripture and you... And he'll show it to you. And you say, well, why, why go through all that, Brother Wayne? Why? Because it brings relationship. Yes, it does. See, see, the Scripture, getting into Scripture, getting into prayer, getting into to things like that with the Lord, you, you, you might ask, why is it so necessary? It's because it brings relationship, fellowship with God. Amen. He wants you to know His Word. If he didn't want you to know it, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have had it written in a book. Hallelujah. You know, it really wouldn't. So he wants you to know his word, but to know it, part of it, yeah, you gather together on Sundays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, whatever days you ha- you meet together as a fellowship or as a church, as a body of believers, whatever you want to call it. That's part of it, but but that can never be. The end all. And as we get into looking at Scripture this morning in regard to the kingdom of God, I just want to really admonish you that that can never that that one time a week can never be the end all. There has to be time with the Lord, time in the Word, time in prayer, time in song. However, the Lord moves in you, that you give yourself to. That working of the Lord in relationship. Amen. Because, you know, a lot of believers have kind of, with the Bible, at least I believe this, and maybe I'm wrong, and I can be corrected if I am. I believe a lot of believers pick their Bible up primarily on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, or whenever they have a service. And the in-between time, there's not a lot of time spent there. Now, if you go into the Apostles' Day, and, and, and that's where the Lord, I was, I was going to go somewhere different, and really the Lord just brought my heart back to where the last time I ministered, and, and we're just going to go through some of that again, because God brought my heart there, and I said, okay, uh, the apostles were breaking bread daily from house to house. And, and you know, that may mean literal bread. They may have been eating with one another. But that bread that they were breaking was the bread of the Word of God, and they were breaking it from house to house with one another. Amen. And that was a daily thing was a daily partaking of the Lord. Just like Jesus said, give us this day our, da- our daily bread. Yes. And see, see, see we, we look at that sometimes, well, that ain't too deep, Brother Wayne. Well, well maybe it's deeper than, than some of the other things we call deep because it's that daily relationship with God Amen. in the breaking of bread that can't be replaced. Right? See, see, we, we, we say things like we're, we're married to the Lord. Yes, sir. Well, well, if I, you know, I've been married to Anita for how many years, sweetheart? 26 years? That's, that's past 25 now. Huh? I didn't hear that. It just feels longer. Feels longer. Thank you, Kathy. Anyway, for, for a while we've been married. Well, if I didn't talk to her, if if I I didn't have a conversation with her daily, then then there's a lacking in that day in our relationship. And so simplicity, when we get into being in union with God, that is daily. I say daily union, a daily conversation, a, a, you know, daily prayer. Amen. That's what we should be in, a daily gathering to the Lord. 
Daily. Give us daily our bread. Because that's what really builds us up in the Lord is the bread of life, is the the Word of God, is, is eating and drinking of Christ. Eating His flesh, as He said, and drinking His blood is what builds us up in the most holy faith. That, that we stand in, in Christ and really flourish. Well, as we go back into, if you want to, you can turn to the book of John. Um, where's it at? John, John, John. I'm going to read, read a scripture out of Acts before I turn there, just to set your mind, or our minds, John, John 18. And I've got a scripture in Acts up here. Somewhere in one of my many places I've been looking at. Acts, I'm going to read to you out of Acts 4, but then we're going to turn to John 18. And as I read to you Acts 4, it says in verse 32, Now the full number of those who believe were of one heart and soul. Man, if you could get that in the uh, church today, one heart and one soul, you, 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 would, you would probably have uh, the same kind of move of God you were having in the book of Acts. And, it said, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. Now, I ain't telling you to do this, so don't start getting worried. And with great power, the apostles were given their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of that that was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Now, Let's, let's see that work in today's church. Well, usually the way it would work, if it did work, I'll start this and like I said, we're going to move on in John. But if it did work, we'd have a leader that would take everything. And he'd decide. And I think if you give, give close attention to the Word of God, that, that the apostles actually set other men in place to handle certain things, that they, they gave themselves to the Word and to prayer, the Bible says, and they actually had uh, you, you know, to at least minister to, to the women in need there in one place in the book of Acts, said they had men full of the Holy Ghost. I would believe that when they did this, this is my thought, it would be a committee and not a man. That the Apostle Peter wasn't taking charge of every man's belonging and he himself distributing it, but it was but I believe it was a committee. But the heart of them to come to that place was they had really comprehended that they were the body of Christ, that they were one with him, and he was their life. Amen. See what I'm seeing in the book of Acts. And I'm actually seeing it throughout the the Bible as I read, like I've never seen it before, is the nature of the Lord. I'm seeing seeing this in a way that through Scripture that I've probably never really saw through Scripture. I've had some dealings of the Lord. The Lord's blessed me with some dealings that I've had in my walk with Him where He's allowed me glimpses of His nature. And even as, as the Lord has allowed certain things to work in my life, I've seen His nature work where it's not mine. But I'm seeing that, that in the early church, a secret there, and, and when I say this, don't get me wrong, because I believe in the literal name of Jesus, but, but I'm seeing that not only were they talking about the literal name of Jesus, and they were. Read the, read the Word. It's plain they were. They were living in the name or nature of Jesus. They, they had come to the, what that name was, the nature of it, to imagine. In fact, I've thought I've, I've in the last few weeks of Paul and Peter in particular, and we're going to look at them today, in 
Paul writing to the Corinthians, you know, he goes through the book of Corinthians and on over in there you have the chapter of love and a lot of people have the scriptures of love, you know, on little plaques or pictures or whatever put in their homes, right? Love is this, love is that. Paul, the reason Paul could write it is that was in Paul. See, see, he wasn't just like, like a, I shared this with Anita coming down the road. The, the prophets had the Spirit of God come upon them and they wrote of something to come. Yeah. Paul was writing out of something that was. Yeah, that was. See, he was writing out of, uh, out of a reality that he, that, that he had come to in his walk in Christ. He was writing out of what Christ had done in his heart. Inside of him. Amen. And it's the same way with Peter. And, 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 and those two brothers have really caught my attention. I'm sure John will too. But right now those two brothers have really caught my attention. When Peter goes in, in I believe it's in Second Peter, and maybe first, but you all can look and see. When Peter goes and he writes about the nature of Christ having escaped, escaped the lust of this world by the divine nature. See, I don't believe Peter was just writing it because of, you know, just that the Spirit of God moved upon him just to write it. I believe the Spirit of God did move upon him to write it. But he wasn't just writing it out of that. He was writing it because it was formed in him. He was in a relationship with God where God had actually formed that in his heart. And so out of his inner man, Peter was living in his body from the reality of the Christ that was in him. Yes, sir. And, and, I, and I see this, and it's so powerful. I, I, I feel like I can't even hardly say what, I, what I'm hearing and seeing because it's, it's so powerful. It's so, you, you know, it, I don't want to just say it's so deep. It, it, it is deep because it's the essence of who God is. It's the essence of the Lord. That in, in relationship with Him, He ultimately, you know, we, we've dealt with the parable of the sower and the seed for several weeks and, and as pertaining to the mystery of the kingdom of God. And we'll probably get back further into that in the coming weeks. But... One thing he says, Jesus says in the sowing seed, and some brought forth. That bringing forth was, was, is bringing forth the fruit of the Spirit. And when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, you're talking about the divine nature of God. You're not talking about something we can even work in ourselves. Right. See, see this, this is where the mystery of this thing's at is that I can read it by the law. And, I, and, I, and I'll use, I think it's Ephesians 5, and I told you to turn to John, we'll get to John in a minute, but turn with me to Ephesians 5. And I can work this out of the law and say the law said. And it's true. The law said it. But the law couldn't bring it forth. Right. See, that's, that's kind of a mystery there in... in Ephesians 5:22. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible, so all you ladies, you know, mark this. It says, "Wives, be it in subjection. Listen to everything that Calvin says, darling, and do it." it says, "Wives, be in subjection unto your own husbands, as unto the Lord." That's powerful. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church, being himself the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives also be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, now husbands. Okay, wives, I pick on the wives. Now husbands. Now let's pick on the husband. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for it. It means give yourself up for your wife. Instead of your wife dying, taking the sword or the bullet or whatever, jump in front of the bullet, Brother Wayne for Barbara. 
Don't push her in front of the car first. Okay, I'm, I'm being cute here, but I'm going to come to a point. So, so that he might, it says, and gave himself up for it, that he might sanctify it, having cleansed it by the washing of the water of the Word. So he gave himself up for his own wife, for his own church, for his own body. And he says that he might present the church to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. See, the thing with Jesus is he knew everything in you. Everything. All your spots and wrinkles. All your insecurities. All your failures. He knew them. And yet he gave himself to present you holy, unflammable, unreprovable in His sight. It says, verse 28, it says, Even so, husbands also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his own wife loveth himself. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherishes it, even as Christ also the church. Because we are members of His body. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is, this is great. This mystery is great, or this is a great mystery, but I speak in regard of Christ and the church. Now hear this. This is a mystery. For I speak in regard of Christ and the church. Nevertheless, do you also severally love each one, his own wife as himself, and let his wife see that she fear her husband. Now, years ago, Nita and I were having challenges, and that's all, you know, I'm just going to leave it, leave it there. We were having challenges, and things weren't, they weren't good, okay? So I'm sure nobody else here has ever been in that place where things aren't good. Probably everybody in the room. Not yet today. Amen. And it's early. Amen. So here we go. So, so what the Lord, the Lord would deal, began to deal with me out of this set of Scripture. And He brought me in light of John 17 with this Scripture. And John 17 says, Jesus, Jesus prayed that they may be one as we are one. I am them, thou me, that they may be made perfect in one. That's a mouthful too. And what God really began to minister in my life is is we we say we're one with God, especially if you come into Revelation Word, and that's what Jesus said. So according to what Jesus said, it's true. But it doesn't mean you're truly walking in it. So there's a difference in it being true. It's true through Him and then the reality of what He said being real in you. I think there's a difference there. What the Lord began to speak in me is if you are one with me, and I'm going to try to say what I, what I, the dealings that were in my heart there, it is, is you're one with me in the heavens, in the Spirit, then you should be one with your wife in the earth. Not because the law said it. See, see, this is where, where the law and the Spirit really kind of rub up against each other. Okay? Because we read it by the law. A lot of things we teach still by the law, even though we say we don't. But it's by the Spirit, because the, the letter does what Paul says. Kill it. But the Spirit gives life. So if I understand it by the Spirit, it brings forth life. It's, it's like, like Anita sing the song, that He shall quicken our mortal bodies. And a lot of people, when they hear that, they think, well, one day our mortal bodies are, are going to be eternal. I won't fight that one way or the other, okay? I'll just leave that alone. But what that says to me in the Spirit is that life, instead of death coming through my body, Instead of death, and death was in Adam, and Adam all died, right? Death, the death realm was in Adam. The carnal mind is death, Paul writes. 
So instead of the carnal mind, the death of Adam, the Adamic nature coming through my mortal body, His life comes forth. He quickens my mortal body that His life actually comes out of this mortal body. That's the kingdom of God in operation. You're saying, well, I thought you were going to teach on the kingdom of God. Man, that's what it is. Amen. See, that, that's what it is. That, that is the ruling and reigning of the king in you is when his life starts coming out of you. Oh, yes. <laughs> and see, that's what, to me, that's what God was showing me here in Ephesians 5. When he goes through this, he says, this is a great mystery for I speak of Christ the church because he winds them together. Because the relationship we have with Christ as our husband or as our Lord, as our Savior, whatever words we know, but here he's dealing with the Christ in the church and the relationship of husband and wife, is that as he loved us and gave himself for us to cleanse us, we in like manner should have that relationship in our home. We should have a relationship of love and cherishing with our husband and wife. In fact, that should be the first place of practice if you're married. Amen. Okay? That should be real. And see, that's spiritual. See, sometimes we, we think spiritual is just understanding the deep things, and that's part of spiritual. But see, this is, I think, deeper because this is an inward work. Of God. And the inward work of God you can't explain. I think sometimes when Paul talked about things being unspeakable, uh, that that's what he was talking about. It was, it was that, not that he couldn't, I think he kind of, he, I don't think he kind of, I think he said them, <coughs> but he couldn't make them real to you in what he said. Because they're an inward working of the Lord. I can't just say, have peace with God, Brother Varner. And Brother Varner go out and walk in the peace of God. It just doesn't work that way. I can read it to Brother Varner. Brother Varner say, yeah, it says that. But the God makes His peace real in you. You don't know what it is. And, and one person can be walking on the earth in the peace of God. Really can but that's an inner thing, and, and that person can tell you I'm walking in the peace of God. But it doesn't make you feel good. <laughs> right? You go, why? Well, 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 what creates that is relationship, is divine relationship with the Lord. And it creates an inner working of God in you that can't be explained, that's un unexplainable. And that's where, that's the deep things of God. See, that, that's what God wants to do in you, is to bring His nature out of you. Amen. To where, in relationship as husband and wife, you, you're living out of your relationship with God. <coughs> Excuse me, I've got myself choked. You're one with the Lord. And because I'm in relationship with God, I'm going to manifest it to my wife. And vice versa, my wife's going to manifest that relationship to me. See, in fact, in the church, there should be no divorce. Shouldn't exist in the church. Absolutely shouldn't be. But if I don't see the divine relationship with God and what that means, it's going to exist. Because, because the, the divine relationship of Christ laid His life down. He died for you. And to manifest that, it's laying down of your life to one another. And then, after it begins to work in your home, it can work outside of your home. See, I've had great correction in my heart this week. And I love it, because God corrects those that He loves. Great correction isn't a bad thing. Great correction is a good thing. God chastises those that He loves. Why? To bear forth the fruit of God. That's why He does it. 
Not to, not to beat you up, not to bring you down, not to, like man does it. See, man will do it to beat you up, to bring you down, to, to, to make you feel like a scumbag. But God does it to bring forth the peaceable fruit, the divine nature, because He's after that. And when you allow Him to have intimacy in you, you'll know that. Because, because of the relationship you're allowing. And you have to allow that. That is, that is something that you individually have to allow. Is that level of relationship to work. See I, see, I think one of the most serious things, and, I, and, and I'm, I'm moving on to John 18, but one of the most serious things in the church, and I said this a couple weeks ago, is what Israel found themselves in. Is, is Paul, in one place, I believe it's Paul, used the word about biting and devouring one another. Well, if you go back in the Old Testament, that was what Israel, you know, they were, they were going after false gods. They were doing this, they were doing that, but also they were oppressing. Those that had wealth were oppressing those that did not. I, I, I mean, I've seen this like never before, man. It's everywhere. Yeah. You know, I've read it. Read it for years, but there it is. It's, I'm like reading in Isaiah yesterday. I'm like, oh, there you are again. Dealing with the nation because of their hearts toward one another. And the reason I started off with the place in Acts is their hearts toward one another were not to oppress one another, were not to condemn one another, were not to ridicule one another, were not to beat up one another. So they had all things in common. Now, now again, God's going to have to do a great work for people to bring their properties and homes and so forth and lay them down. But the point there was not just to was not to just bring that piece of it out. The point of of why was they were one. They were one mind. They were one people. They saw themselves in union with God as one, and they were manifesting that on the earth. It was physically coming out of them. And it was in their own power and will to do it. That's why. The, the issue comes up with Ananias and Sapphira because th- their hearts weren't really one. And Peter told them, he said, you could have kept this. You didn't have to give it. But see, they wanted to say, here, we're giving you everything we got, but we're going to hide a little bit. That didn't work. I ain't going to go that too far down this story, but... <coughs> But that's the reality of where God wants to bring us is one. And it's one with Him that manifests to one another. And see what you have in the church system. I talk a lot about church system and not to wear it out. But you have inside of the church system, you just talk about the deeper life people like us that say we're deeper life. Well, we're almost always accusing one another. Brother so-and-so doesn't have it right. Brother so-and-so does. Maybe neither one do. See, see, the mind of the Lord, and and I believe the Lord wants us to know it all right. Don't get me wrong, I still believe that. But the nature to condemn and pick and tear down is not the nature of Christ. And that's the nature that many of God's people live in. Many of God's people. And I, and I honestly think this is, this is a word that has to come into the church, has to touch the people of God. Because God is after a conduct, and it's not a conduct of law. See, hear me. It's not for me to point you to the law and say, Waverly, the law said. It's because the nature of the Spirit is this way. 
the nature of the Spirit gave His life. See, see, that nature of the Spirit that was operating in Christ gave His life up for those that hated Him. Those that despised Him. Those that ridiculed Him. Those that parted His garments. Those that killed Him. That was the operation of the kingdom of God in the earth. And that's what God is after in a people is the operation of the kingdom. And, I, and I'm sure we're going to get back into the timelines and, and so on and so forth that we've been studying. And I was going to go there this morning, just like, like in my heart. I've done a lot of studying on it yesterday. And in my heart, even yesterday as I studied it, I almost knew I, that, that this is so necessary. That a people hear this and see this and know this and allow it to work. I've got to allow it. I've got to allow the correction of the Lord. So I'm not just preaching to you. It's got to work in me, fellas, brethren, in, in John. If you're burning up, you can turn it down. I won't get mad at you. I see some people waving, uh, waving their uh, cooling fan. And, I'm, and, I, and if I could, I'd be waving one right with you. But in the book of John, when, is it off? Just a fan? Just a fire. Re- really, you should read the book, you know, John 18, and, I, and I'm not going to read all the Scriptures I did last time, but you should read this. When Jesus came before Pilate, in verse 34, well, Pilate had asked him in verse 33, and I'll start right there toward uh, the end of verse 33. Pilate asked him, says, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Sayest thou this of thyself, or did others tell it thee concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? I'm not a Jew. <laughs> Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. See, my kingdom's not of that nation that delivered me up. Hear that. Hear what was said. Pilate says, Your own nation and your chief priests delivered you unto me. Jesus answered, My kingdom's not of this world. My kingdom's not of my own nation. He said, If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. Now hold this place to John 18 because we're going to come back to it. So mark it and let's turn to James. I don't even have the Scripture, so someone must find this for me. James, I quoted this the last time, but I want to read it. James says, Wars come from within you. Does anybody know where that's at? Bob ain't here. So, so now that Bob ain't here, can somebody help me find it? What's that? Come on, brethren. Come on now. We 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 very dependable on Brother Bob, ain't we? Well, I don't either. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> it's four. It's neither one or two. So, so I just found it. James says, "Whence come wars? Whence?" Verse one, James four one. Whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your own pleasures that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, you kill and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. You have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may spend it upon your pleasures. 
You adulteress, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore would be a friend of the world maketh himself an enemy of God. See, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. So I ain't doing it out of my own lust. I ain't doing it out of my own desires. I ain't doing anything out of that. So, so what James is saying to them, or to us, to them present then, but to us, is that wars come from within you. They come out of your heart. Okay, That's why the kingdom of God has to get in you. See, see for there to be a real change, I, I, I may wear this out, but people talk about someday they're going to be changed. And I, and I want to say, well, you get your new body and you don't have a new heart and a new mind, you ain't going to be changed. You're going to have, you're going to have a body that doesn't wear all out with the same heart and the same mind. And I don't know what place that would put you in. If that would be a heavenly place or not. I'll just leave the other word out so people won't get mad at me to hear this. So, so we, but that's what's been taught. We, we get this new body. Everything's going to be wonderful then. Well, I think I need a new mind. And I think I need a new heart. I think my motives need to change. I think my inner parts, where God said He desired truth in the inner parts, need to have the truth put in them. And see, that's why the kingdom has to get in you. That's why Jesus said the kingdom comes not with observation. That's why He said, Neither shall they say, Lo there, or Lo here, for the, behold, the kingdom of, God, kingdom of God comes in you. And we dealt with that. That the kingdom gets in you through the Word. We read the parable of the sower and the seed and how Jesus called it the mystery of the kingdom of God. And that through the seed of God, He plants His Word in you. And as that Word begins to grow, the kingdom begins to form and take place. And you have an entrance made through that Word into the kingdom, the rule and authority of God. That His rule and authority can start working in you and then you can put down rule and authority that comes against you because He's working in you. Then you participate out of what's working on the inside. See, see, see this idea that there's no participation, I want to almost say, get bold. I believe it's a lie. Right. And a lot of people are buying into that. And, 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 and saying, well, I, I don't do anything. Well, there's a measure of truth to that. That is His work that saves you, but Paul says we are workers together with Him in His building, or in His garden, in His husbandry. And what we're working together with Him out of is the working, Paul says in other places, the effectual working of God in us. us. So we're not working out of our own works and labors we're working out of what God is working in us in the earth. Amen. And that's what we're that's what we're hungering for. Is the life of this thing to transform and move in our beings. That the life of it be demonstrated. Yes. Yeah, and I want to know all the word of it. So I'm not taking away that because I need the word of it to understand what God wants. But when, when we begin to see the Word of it, God wants the life of the Word to be produced. And it can only be produced by the Spirit. And then we have to work with Him. As He's working in us, we have to allow what He's working in us to manifest. Anyway, so, so I want to point out that the world, the kingdoms of the world, aren't just Donald Trump and... I don't even know their names anymore, the, the presidents and leaders of all these countries. The kingdoms of the world are within you. Yeah. 
What people rule from, even in these natural countries, is what's a lot of time in their heart and what they're persuaded from. So if we want to see a change of rule, we need to pray for them to have a change of heart, a change of mind. And instead of picking up signs and rocks and everything, maybe we, we, we go the opposite route and pray for them. Love them. Forgive them. See, that's the operation of the kingdom of God. Anyway, in John, back in John 18, I told you to stay there. Or keep your hand there. When you go backwards in John 18, where we were at, it says, you know, they're coming with Judas to get Jesus there. That story where they're coming to take Jesus. And they get to Jesus, verse 7. And he, and he asked them uh, again. It says, again, therefore, he asked them. So he'd already asked them this before. Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way. Let them go. Just take me. In other words, I'm going to give myself for them right there. He's giving himself up for all those with him right there. Do you see the nature of God right here? Don't get them. Don't harm them. Just take me. Same thing we were reading in Ephesians. The husband, when I, when I was getting around with Brother Wayne and, and Sister Barbara, the husband giving himself for the wife, or the shepherd giving himself for the flock. There are a lot of different analogies we could use, but that's what he does. He just gives himself up. And he, he said, I told you, and he said, Jesus answered, I told you that I am here. If therefore you seek me, let these go their own way. That the word might be fulfilled which he spake, of those whom thou hast given me, I lost not one. He didn't lose them because he gave himself for them. Yeah. Simon Peter, therefore, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. Now, Peter wasn't the same nature of Jesus, was he? So Peter didn't say here, you could just take me. I'm going to give myself for them. He, Peter, probably like a lot of us, grabbed that sword out and he's going to take his, he's going to take his head off. He, I, he probably didn't mean to cut his ear off. Okay? He probably, he probably wasn't too good with that sword. Just saying. And he struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. Now the servant's name was Malchus. Jesus therefore said, And Peter, put up thy sword into the sheath. The cup which Father give me shall I not drink it. If you read, maybe on in here, but if you read in another place, it will tell you that Jesus healed his ear. And he touched him, Luke says, and he touched his ear and healed him. So here Jesus is healing one of those. Now whether the servant had any intention like the High priest did, I don't know, but servants with the high priest, he probably didn't have a choice. But regardless, Jesus heals it. And if you can hear this and see this, that's the kingdom of the world in operation and the kingdom of God in operation, right there. There they are. The high priest coming is the kingdom of the world. Peter drawing his sword is the kingdom of the world. And then Jesus says, put up your sword. And he heals Malchus here. Now you would think, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. They're getting ready to take Jesus and kill him. Get a hold of this. They just saw him heal a man's ear that was cut off. You would think, that'd be it, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, they're going to fall down and worship him now. He healed Malchus here. This is definitely the Son of God. This is definitely the Messiah. This is definitely the King to sit up on David's throne. Look what he did. No, that wasn't their confession. Away with him. Let his blood be upon us. That became their confession. Even even in the midst of them, he heals Malchus here, even when they're taken. I mean, that's powerful. So their hearts were evil. 
wicked, turned after the world. So we say man's heart can't be that way? Sure it can. That's the very heart that's there present when they're taking Jesus. Now, now I said this a couple times in Isaiah 2. And I go read it all. I love to read it. But I have to stop myself because I love to read things and I get sidetracked. Isaiah 2 in verse 4. It says, And it's speaking of Christ, and He will judge between the nations. or speaking of the God of Jacob, which I believe is Christ, but we'll leave that alone. He will judge between the nations, and He will decide concerning many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of Jehovah. Now, most people or many people read this and say, someday that's going to happen. Out here in the future. Right? Someday this is going to take place. Peter does exactly this. His sword is beat into a plow. What do I mean? What do I mean when I say his sword is beating the plow? You see him in Matthew, you know, it's recorded there. We read in John, and you can read it in Matthew and in different places. Take that sword out and cut off. Mouth is here. Now, what do you see Peter doing after the Holy Ghost has come upon him in the day of Pentecost? You see him planting the Word. So that plowshare has a bigger meaning than just a natural plow. Because now Peter is planting the Word of God. He's moved from a man of the sword. His sword has been beat because he's the nation of Jacob. He's he's the, the spiritual nation of Jacob. He's literally the nation. But spiritually, he's been transformed. He's been renewed. He's been filled with the Spirit of God. And now that man that cut off Malchus' ear, if you read the book of Acts, is taking the Word of God, and he's doing what? He's sowing it, cultivating it, weeding out the weeds in God's garden. You realize that? That's that's the same physical Peter. The same physical Peter that was naked in the boat. Now, like I said before, I don't know how naked he was when Jesus saw him. He completely had his shirt off, what it was, but nonetheless he's ashamed and jumped in the water when you read the story. The same Peter that denied the Lord three times. I think he may have cursed and done this and done that. But nonetheless, now this Peter, physically same man, but inside he's not. He's been transformed. He has a new mind. He has a new nature, a new character. That's why he can write about the nature of the Lord over in his epistles was because God had worked His work in Peter's heart. In his core. And now what was coming out of Peter was he was killing the land of God. See, you're the garden of God. Apostle Paul says that. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. You are God's planting. See, because the seed of God is planted in you to bring forth a crop unto God. So the Word of God in you, that's what these brothers begin to do. I see this so powerfully in Peter and Paul's life that they were both men of the sword. Both of them. What was Paul doing? Saul of Tarsus. What's Saul of Tarsus doing? He's bringing railing accusation against the church with orders of what the Sanhedrin court to come down and put them in jail, to kill them, to do all sorts of things against the church for preaching in the name of Jesus. So here this same Saul it's transformed. Yes, sir. And then he's called Apostle Paul. Basically the same man. Looks like, looks like the same man. Looks just like Paul or Saul before. But when he comes amongst them, he's coming with the Word of God. Because his sword has 
been beat into a plow. And he's now plowing and pruning the pruning hook, the pruning shears, pruning the body of believers to bring forth fruit unto God. Oh if you God. can't see this, yeah. I'm telling you, this is fulfilled in you and I when God transforms us and the nations of the world begin to give way and the kingdoms of our God begin to manifest in us for the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and of His Christ. And when that begins to manifest, it's going to manifest out of you. Yes, sir. And you're going to begin to plow the field of God. You're going to begin to prune you know, God's husbandry. You're going to work with the Spirit of God that's in you to bring forth fruit. Your whole mind is going to be, I want to bring forth fruit to the Father. I want His people, not just you, but His people to live in His fruit. Yes, sir. Let your divine nature, Lord, come forth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what I see here. I don't know how long we'll go through this part of the kingdom in operation, but we're going to for probably a couple more, one or two more meetings because God just wouldn't let me move. <laughs> I felt that in my heart just that this was necessary. And, it, and it's, it's so necessary. See, see and, and I'm, I guess from a scripture standpoint, I'm about done. But... Paul says, and I've read this last, you know, a few weeks ago. I read this out in, in the meeting. Paul said there's many sick and dying among you. Why? Because you don't deserve the Lord, don't discern, not deserve, I said that wrong, don't discern the Lord's body. You don't, you don't see Him as one. See, see, I got off into Romans 14. And man, Romans 14 is powerful. Because it deals with, with, with a brother under, having understanding concerning foods and drinks that, that, that this isn't contrary to the Lord. And another brother not understanding, and he's really dealing with him that do not, be, do not destroy the Lord's body. See, 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 he deals with it. Paul deals with it in natural things, in, in natural foods and drinks there. But I think you could also deal with it in deeper, deeper understanding of the Word. Yeah. I think you can take deeper understanding of the Word, which, which if the Lord has blessed you with it, thank God, I'm glad that He wants to bless you with it. I'm all about it. All about understanding all the Word we can understand. But I think we can take the deep things of God if we're not careful, and, we, and we've got to distribute them. So, so hear me. This is not distribute them. But don't destroy the Lord's body. Amen. Don't have a heart to do that. Now, as far as... I'm going to keep going a few minutes. I'm turning off this. I'm not recording anymore. <laughs>